This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out knocked out so your only choice should be go focus on what you can control 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 hi everyone and welcome to the Kara golden show join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders we'll talk with founders entrepreneurs ceos and really some of the most interesting people of our time can't wait to get started let's go let's go Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden. Welcome to the Kara Golden Show. And we are so excited to have our next guest here. We have Jean Thompson, who is the CEO and owner of Seattle Chocolate Company. And it is such an incredible brand, so tasty in so many ways, but also uh, has another brand called J. Coco, which uh, you may not be as familiar with, but you're going to get to know it as well. And you're going to be dying to try these chocolates if you have not tried it. So a longtime fan and investor of the company, or I should say she was, during her previous life as an executive at Microsoft, Jean actually was in a position to acquire Seattle chocolate after the Nisqually earthquake destroyed the company's factory in 2001. So sad. But she had no C-suite experience, but had just decided that she needed to step in and figure out a way to continue the efforts, all the incredible efforts of Seattle Chocolate Company. So she did. And that was in 2001. I'm excited, so excited to hear more about Jean and her team's responsible sourcing initiative, plus with the cult favorite brand, J. Coco, all of the things that they've done to build that today, um, including uh, donating almost 4 million fresh servings of food to date. Incredible, incredible. So I just love the company, the products, and uh, the story from what I know so far. So I'm super, super thrilled to have Jean with us here today. So welcome. Thank you so much, Kara. Thanks for the great introduction, too. I think we're done. Yeah. It's a cool story. It's great. A- absolutely. <laughs> so really excited to hear more about everything that you're doing. But before we get into hearing about uh, your companies, I'd love to hear kind of your background. And, and did you ever think that you'd be a chocolate entrepreneur? No, I didn't even know there was such a thing, or maybe I would have aspired towards it if I knew. Um, yeah, I had, you know, I was just a typical kid that had no idea what I wanted to do. I uh, went to college for liberal arts because of that. And then I, I thought I'd be like a psychologist or something because people have always fascinated me. You know, it's interesting because I think that's a key part of being a CEO of a company is sort of the psychology of other people and enjoying working with other people is always a nice side. Um, and then I kind of got my start in tech because my father worked in tech. So he got me that entry level job, that break that we all need um, back in, you know, the, the early eighties and then ended up 
uh, working for Microsoft um, through some good strategic moves on my part um, and loved working there. And can you imagine in 87 to 91, right place at the right time, so much responsibility, so much opportunity, really exciting rocket ship. And then I had my first child, who's now 32. Um, and when I went back to work after my maternity leave, all of a sudden, nothing seemed as exciting or interesting to me anymore. Because I, you know, back in those days, we had to leave the house at seven and didn't really get back to the house until seven. And so then you have this little child at home that you just feel like you're, I felt like I was missing out on so much. So I ended up quitting Microsoft, retiring temporarily and staying home with kids. Then I had my daughter uh, six years later. And when she went off to kindergarten is when I got involved. Um, I knew I wanted to do something else. Um, the volunteer world with schools and whatnot was really not for me. <laughs> so like, come on, people, let's get some stuff done. Um, so I ended up, uh, it just coincided with Seattle Chocolate running into difficulty after that earthquake and, and really never having found any financial success in its first 10 years. Um, and so uh, I thought, well, I'll just pitch in, you know, I'll just see what I can do to help as somebody with a marketing and sort of lightweight sales background. So you had been an angel investor in the company. I mean, I love this backstory. So how it kind of came to be. So can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, that was really more just, there was probably a dozen people that were, um, you know, gave a certain amount. I don't even remember what it was anymore in the early nineties to Seattle chocolate. It was this um, startup company, but they right away bought, um, the same machinery that I use today with obviously lots of little modifications, but the two plants that really make the, the truffles and the bars that are the basis for both of my brands, um, they bought them early on. They're highly, highly automated and they went into like a ton of debt. So they took on these um, investors, angel investors, and really it was just like, oh, that's cool. They've got a lot of potential and capacity and it's chocolate. I didn't really think I was going to be, and I never really was involved for the first 10 mm -hmm. years other than just, you know, writing the check and that kind of thing. And then when the earthquake happened and they needed to move quickly, they went to the investors and said, would anybody be willing to fund it? And that's when I got involved to the degree where I became the owner because it was so costly to, you know, move those machines, find a, mach uh, a new building and have it temperature controlled and insulated and everything that you need to make chocolate. At that point, I was the owner. So interesting. Yeah. So how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. 
Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And what was kind of thinking back uh, during that time? I mean, what what was kind of the hardest thing about uh, all of a sudden, I mean, this is a whole new thing for you, right? Yeah. You had been in tech, you hadn't 
ever been a CEO of a company. You hadn't even been a founder, right? Mm. This is, this is a, um, you know, you're, you're trying to reset, I guess, a company, um, that had started, but, uh, you wanted to, you know, change some of the economics of it for sure. And so, I mean, what was kind of the hardest points in those early days? The hardest part was I just really had no idea uh, how to go about approaching it even, right? Um, I I didn't know what I didn't know. That saved mm-hmm. me. I just went into it thinking, it's chocolate. And by then I'd, had an, I'd been working at it for, I think, only six weeks, um, helping them with marketing and sort of observing the, the chocolate aisle in the grocery store and what the competitors were doing. There were nowhere near as many competitors back then as there are now. Um, and just sort of getting a handle on, wow, these people do not know how to market to women. This is crazy. And so when I saw, um, and also I was like, what the heck are they doing with like all this bland packaging? It's super earth toned because somehow we wouldn't know as consumers that it was chocolate if it wasn't in a brown wrapper. And I'm like, where's the color? Where's the fun? Right. So I felt like there was so much potential from a marketing and a product standpoint that I think it duped me into thinking, well, the rest will just fall into place. Right. Only because I really didn't know. So then when I started taking over, or I did take over, boom, it was an overnight thing. Um, I just started asking people questions. I had no idea what I was doing, right? So yeah. I didn't know what to even start with. Where I didn't, I had never read any financial documents before that point. I didn't even know what a balance sheet was, right? So I, I didn't come with any experience. And because I had a liberal arts degree and I was a psychology major, I, I never even took an accounting course. So this was all foreign to me. And it took me a really long time to get a grasp on that. So that's probably the thing that was the hardest for the longest for me. But the rest of it, I just sort of took this common sense approach. I remember reading the Malcolm Gladwell book, Blink. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'm doing. I'm totally following my instincts. And he says it's okay. <laughs> so that gave me sort of a shot of confidence. But um, and then I just listened to people and made took one problem at a time. And um, so nothing seemed really too daunting to take on at the beginning. I just one foot in front of the other. So when did you know that this was going to make it, right? That it, because mm-hmm. you were sort of bringing it back from a rocky time. I mean, was there a moment when obviously you were not only doing the accounting and the operations, but you were also having to sell the product? I mean, this was a very small team. I mean, did you ever fear that you couldn't figure it out? Oh, for 10 years. Mm -hmm. For 10 years, I was certain that it was an unsolvable problem for me. I, there were times when I was like, well, just probably any other CEO was at the helm here, we would be doing better, faster. And I'm not the best thing that ever happened to this company. I'm like a big liability. And, um, you know, the imposter syndrome happens with that because you got to fake it till you make it. And um, yeah, lacked confidence a lot. Um, but I joined an organization of entrepreneurs called Entrepreneur Organization. And that really helped me because, you know, you would hear them talk about similar insecurities or imposter feelings. And, and then they, you know, reassured me that, um, it's your company. Mm-hmm. You get to do what you want to do and define it. And it'll, it'll become what you make it as a direct reflection of you. So it is by definition, okay for you to be the leader, number one. And then it was like, I just don't know if it's a good business model. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. manufacturing in the United States, in Seattle, Washington, is that a good idea? Um, will we ever be able to turn a profit? Um, yeah, I had those insecurities. It wasn't insecurities. I mean, it was facing facts and not knowing 
how to solve them and how to push through to see success on the other side for a really long time, like 10 years. I always talk about the timeline and, and, uh, Actually, one of the points on Hint's timeline, the company that I founded, was getting into Starbucks. And it was a low point when Starbucks decided that they were going to discontinue our product because they wanted to put uh, higher margin business uh, sandwiches into the case. Um, It was at that time when um, they decided, you know, they didn't own a percentage of us and and it just Mm -hmm. didn't make sense made sense for them, didn't make sense for us. It was a massive hit on our uh, bottom line. And and I uh, fault nobody but myself in that because we had about 40% of our overall business um, sitting in you know the hands of a, a major retailer. Your products are in over 8,000 stores, uh, maybe even more since uh, that information that I had. But like, how do you stay ahead of the competition. I mean, you talked about there's so many chocolates that are out there and and I think you have to have a quality product for sure, but it is marketing as well and packaging and all of those things. Like how how do you differentiate yourself and and really stay ahead? Well, I don't think you really can beat the competition, right? So I never think of it as that. I think of it as like there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um so you have to find your kind of unique thing that matters to you. And then of course the company reflects your values. And so people these days with access to information and websites and everything will align themselves with companies of similar values. Um, so that's great. Those will be your people, right? But for us in terms of a product, we are, um, and have always been for the Seattle chocolate brand, uh, truffles. So the bar is soft in the center. We add coconut oil, a little bit of coconut oil to that. And then we have these little twist wrap truffles that are, they're nice because they're individually wrapped and you can have like two or three of them and you can put them in gift boxes. And in fact, Seattle chocolate really got its start as a gift chocolate company. And that was sort of our thing right from the very beginning was beautiful gift boxes. And even the bars, um, you know, sort of have the, the unique art just on the bar that becomes a gift in and of itself. And we have happy birthday bars and thank you bars so that you can use them instead of a, a greeting card. So that's sort of always been our thing is that um, as beautiful on the outside as we are on the inside and then this melt away um, mouthfeel. So um, because of the coconut oil, it melts at a slightly lower um, melting temperature and it explodes with flavor in your mouth and it's extremely creamy. And people repeatedly um, cite that as the reason that they love our brand and love our chocolate. So we've stuck with that. Um, and we kind of avoid doing, you know, jumping on um, trends and things. We're like, no, nope, this is who we are. And we'll do our own thing. And one of the things that sort of differentiates us in addition to the product itself is the packaging. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the giftability. So we um, collaborate or we actually um, hire um, independent artists to do our packaging for us because how many ideas can we have? Yes. And so having these usually women, um, usually American, but we've gone as far as Holland, um, the Netherlands to have um, an artist that, and they will do an entire line or they'll do a bar or a series of bars for us. And we put a little description of them on the inside and their signature on the outside and they become part of part of our brand and it makes them little works of art. What a great idea. That is, that's amazing. As a business owner, you know, to grow your company and retain your current customers, you need to keep them engaged. That's why I'm telling you about ThinkFit Plus. It's essential. Thinkific Plus provides businesses like yours with a powerful, easy-to-use educational platform to keep your customers 
vendors, partners, and employees informed and trained. So many businesses and organizations rely on Thinkific Plus, like the company Later, the leading Instagram platform for businesses and creators to schedule and plan their marketing strategies. Later needed a more interactive way to introduce users to their tools and features, help them find success in the platform, and apply strategies to their own businesses. They had already created content for online webinars and resources across their website, so they simply uploaded them to Thinkific Plus and had their course up and running within a week. Since launching their customer education program with Thinkific Plus, their user adoption of new features has increased by over 450%, and their customer retention and paid plan purchases have each increased over 300%. Plus, their team is happier since they're saving loads of time, no longer having to deliver live training. Thinkific Plus can help your business win too. What are you waiting for? Start educating your customers at scale with Thinkific Plus. Right now, my customers get a free month of Thinkific Plus, but only when you go to my special URL, thinkific.com slash Kara. Start your free month of Thinkific Plus at thinkific.com slash Kara. That's thinkific.com dot com slash Kara. So you have two brands, the Seattle Chocolate Company and J Coco. Can you describe, uh, first of all, how did you decide to do that? And also, what is the difference between the two? Yeah, so we, because our name is Seattle Chocolate, um, it's always been sort of a regional tie. And, you know, I never liked that from the beginning. I was like, this isn't, I mean, how many other brands do you know that have a regional name? You just don't see them have long-term success. I mean, Seattle's Best Coffee was the the original person who had the Starbucks idea. Starbucks came in, far more clever name, better marketing came in and bought them and they just disappeared. Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, right? So it always bugged me as a marketer that it was Seattle chocolate because I thought it would limit me. Um, But so I thought, well, what I'll do, because I already have quite a following now of you know, 20 years of followers and people who love Seattle chocolate is I'll come up with another brand. And I wanted to go in some direction that I didn't want to mess with the, the formula for success for Seattle chocolate. And I wanted it to be a solid bar instead of a truffle bar. I wanted it to be small bars in a bigger package so you could eat an ounce of chocolate kind of in moderation, if you will. And I wanted it to be more of a fine chocolate. So in the chocolate industry, there's some uh, stratification. There's like sort of everyday chocolate, like a Hershey bar, right? And mm-hmm. then, or, you know, drugstore chocolate, you might call it. And then there's specialty chocolate. And you've got like Seattle chocolate, Lint, um, you know, people that are, that make delicious chocolate with finer ingredients and more craft and more care in their packaging and their sourcing, et cetera. And then there's fine chocolate. And you'll see those at very specialty shops. They're, they tend to be $10, $20 a bar. And what they are is sourced directly from a a specific origin and from a particular type of uh, chocolate, a cocoa bean. So they're a fine flavored cacao, right? So that's J Coco. So J Coco was sort of as is my aspirational brand where I, I, I think the future needs to go for chocolate. It needs to be a craft industry and it's starting, right? You see it, you feel it. I call it the chocolate renaissance. 
um, where it's we're coming back to really understanding and lauding uh, cocoa for what for what it is, this beautiful fermented farmed product that with, there's so much craft that goes into it. And yet nobody's really getting paid enough because we feel we can't spend more than three or four dollars on a chocolate bar. Right. Hmm. And it's the legacy of the Hershey bar. Right. I mean, people are like, that's what chocolate is, man. The rest of you are just ripping us off. No, there's so many different ways of sourcing and crafting it. And once people recognize that and, and sort of acquire a taste for cacao, which is the tree, right? Uh, the, the bean, um, then I think they're going to see the difference between the two. And I think there's room for both. So J Coco is, you know, our way of sort of leading people into, hey, try this um, and acquire a taste for it because I think you're going to like it. It's really complex and interesting. So I shared with a friend that I was going to be interviewing you and uh, she actually grew up in Seattle and she said, oh, their factory tour is amazing. And, oh, and uh, yeah, so she had she had been to it. I have not been to it yet, but next time I'm in Seattle, for sure, I will. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm so curious, like, how else have you gotten the word out about your brand? I mean, obviously, I think that's that's brilliant because people can touch it and experience it and feel it and mm -hmm. talk about it. Um, but how else have people learned about the brand? You know, we have a, a two retail stores, one in our factory. And so that's very regional play. And then one at the airport, at the Seattle Tacoma Airport, mm -hmm. um, a slightly broader reaching audience. Um, and then we actually find our uh, product on Alaska Airlines. The J. Coco is given to the Gold Flyers and the Seattle Chocolates in their famous fruit and cheese platter. And then, of course, we do all the classic sort of social media um, Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, a little bit of Pinterest and a little bit of TikTok trying to get the, the word out, but that's a very slow process. I mean, that doesn't yeah. seem to be talking to the same people all the time. You know, um, I'm now trying to embark in a little bit of a LinkedIn, uh, just regular presence for myself, not the company where I can talk about these issues and it won't necessarily, um, be representative of the company, although I'm kind of inextricably linked to my company, but still getting some information and education out there. And then it's just, you know, those little chocolate bars are the, you know, the only, they're the billboard at, on the shelf, which I think is why our, you know, artists, they're really fun and packaged designs, right? People see them, they look really different. They have to stand on their own in a really crowded world. Um, and that's it. That's about all we've got for us, going for us. What do you think is kind of the from a consumer perspective that most consumers don't know about chocolate. I mean, obviously taste, you can truly taste the difference once you've had incredible chocolate, but what do you think is kind of the, I don't know, dirty little secret of the industry that maybe if somebody's not <laughs> in the chocolate industry, um, they wouldn't know. Well, I think there are some dirty little secrets in any kind of a, um, an agricultural product that is grown in mostly developing nations, right? It's a it's a equatorial um, rainforest crop. First of all, I don't think anybody really knows anything about chocolate. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like we haven't had that. I guess it's a hundred years uh, that the wine industry has on us in terms of being an organized entity that has people coming and doing tastings and comparisons and flights and all the stuff that they've done around educating people on the grape and the vine and the whole process. We all are like sort of armchair warrior experts on wine, but nobody knows anything about chocolate. They don't mm -hmm. know where it comes from. They don't know that it grows on a tree necessarily. They don't know what the pod is all about and that's the beans or how many beans it takes to make a bar or the fact that it's fermented and then dried and then roasted and then stripped away and ground down and then like slowly cooked. 
there's so many processes that go into turning what is naturally a kind of a bitter bean into this delicious, you know, sweet. People think of it as a sweet now, right? Because of the last 200 years of chocolate. Um, when in the reality, it's actually a savory product. It's bitter and it's acidic and it's astringent in by nature. Mm. And then the, the sweetness comes from sugar, right? Which is yeah. really a great way of bringing out the flavor. But naturally, it's kind of a savory bean. So yeah. people don't know anything. Then the dirty little secret comes in the fact that, um, you know, there's just too, there's not enough money in that product to pay all those processes and the people that do those processes the right amount for a, um, a healthy life, you know? And I mean, there's different regions of the world around that equatorial belt that are really troubled. And unfortunately, those are the ones where 70% of our chocolate comes from. And those are the, the West African countries. Um, and it was sort of like, you know, a colonial background where the, the plants were brought from um, Latin America, where they're indigenous. And they're, they were brought over to Africa because they could grow them cheaper with slaves, right? Hmm. And so this lingers. Um, farms are owned by farmers, right? So they're not slaves, but then they can't make enough money during the, the, the harvest It's very labor intensive. So they have to go and get like, you know, people from adjoining countries even. Um, and it's just, it's a really difficult problem to solve because the government's kind of involved and there's traders involved and everybody's kind of okay with the way that it is, even though they say they're not very difficult to get in. Like I would love to, I'm just going to start buying from a farmer in the Ivory Coast. I'll see if I can make it a female-owned co-op or something. And I'm going to pay her directly so that she can have a better life. Can't do it. Can't be done. It's blocked. So hmm. it's a tough problem. So um, I, you know, we do Rainforest Alliance certification with our, because um, most of the chocolate, as I said, in the world is from those regions. And for our Seattle chocolate brand, it is largely from those regions. And so we do Rainforest Alliance certification, which is like fair trade and organic and, um, you know, good for the environment all combined. So that feels good. And then for Jay Coco, I decided I was going to go to Peru, you know, people in Peru, they're not rich, they're poor still, but they, their kids go to school and they have healthy lives and they can run it like a small little farm, you know, family business. So that's the dirty little secret. Is it, is it a secret? I mean, there've been all kinds of you know, specials and shows on this, but I think people, they don't want to think about it. They don't want to, they don't want to know about it. Yeah. So what you're talking about is your, your uh, commitment to responsible uh, sourcing. Yeah. Uh, I read a lot about that. Um, so all of J Coco is Peru or currently yes. all of it is Peru. Yes. So interesting. So, uh, well, I, I mean, I, I think it's great. I, it, how did you decide to really focus on that above and beyond the fact that it's, uh, you know, obviously you're curious about it and you started to learn about it and you're like, how can we do better? I mean, what was it that really made you think like, let's dig in here more? Because I know you and your team have spent time in all of these places too. Um, yeah. I mean, what was there something that just sort of made you, I mean, think that this was the right thing to do? Well, I know it's the right thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. It isn't necessarily the right thing to do to take your business away from these two countries that rely on this crop, right? That's not necessarily the right thing to do. 
But so for Jay Coco, I joke that I was a bit of a coward and I just was like, I have to look myself in the mirror. I have to feel good about where I'm sourcing the cacao. And also coincidentally, um, and really just as important, um, because it is indigenous to that region and people say it's indigenous to Peru. Um, and of course, Peru is much bigger back then, like it included Ecuador and Venezuela and whatnot, but they, um, that is, they have so many more fine flavored cacao trees there, you know, cause they mm-hmm. grew up there. They just grew there, right? And they grow on the side of the street and nobody had to plant them even, right? So they have a tremendous amount of sort of genetic diversity there, which is very interesting. So that was another big reason to go to Peru for J. Coco, where we're really bringing forth the cacao flavor profile. Um, but also, you know, I don't want the Africans to lose their income. Like I'm afraid that people are going to, when they learn about this, going to boycott chocolate. Like this is bad. We can't have, we can't be any part of this. Let's just not eat chocolate. Okay. Well now all those farmers are going to be desperate even to a worse degree. And you know, what are they going to do? They have farms. This is all they have going for them. So my goal is to figure out a way to source the chocolate from Africa. It might not be Ivory Coast, which may be the most difficult, but maybe it's Ghana, maybe it's Nigeria. So we can sort of help that region and help rebuild it over time. But it's really quite a... So I think when, to answer your question, that sort of roundabout did is I just looked in the mirror and said, I, I have to do something different. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, and it reminded me, I mean, I, I uh, had been working on a big initiative in Washington around uh, clean water. And it was something that I was living every single day. And I had many congressmen talking to me about uh, or asking me if I was a lobbyist. I mean, it was it was a uh, it was definitely something there weren't many other entrepreneurs or, or CEOs showing up in Washington to talk about like, why isn't our uh, water free of PFAS and some of the other things that no one was talking about at the time. But I felt like I had a responsibility to take the information that I had to try and create change. And we made some impact, not fully, um, but it was, uh, it was definitely a something that I felt like, and I'm very proud of that we were able to uh, definitely build awareness and get people, even people who were not in the industry to understand um, that there was a problem. And uh, hopefully there's more people who are talking about it now. Well, and I believe that as entrepreneurs and small business owners, or maybe not so small in your case, um, we uh, have a responsibility. We have a responsibility because we can make change, right? We don't have a board of directors that are, you know, make sure the profit's there, right? That isn't our motivator. Our motivator is to do the right thing. And, you know, that's really the motivation in in my life now. I don't have to be working anymore. I want to. I want to because I think I'm making an impact. And I actually want to give a consumer a choice like you did for a, a healthy water. I want to give consumers a choice where the packaging is fully recyclable or fully compostable. It doesn't have to be wrapped in plastic very hard to find. Like good luck finding a toothpaste that isn't wrapped in plastic, right? If you're trying to do your part for the planet and we just turned uh, carbon neutral last year as a company because we're like, no, we need to focus on this. This is a big problem that obviously if you're using a product that's grown in the earth, um, it's a really big problem for our category, but it's a problem for everybody alive. And um, so the same thing, sustainable or ethical sort of farming practices or sourcing um, is something I want consumers to have a choice. And I'm not the only one that, that does this, right? But the more people that do it, the more people are going to start demanding it. 
Definitely. And I think that's, that's important. And sometimes you're coming up with, uh, what the projects are, right? That people should be focusing on. It's not, I think that that's the key thing that I learned as an entrepreneur that just because somebody isn't focusing on it doesn't mean that it isn't a problem, right? That it, it just kept coming in front of me as a, um, you know, a huge, huge problem that we were seeing in, in the supply and we were already removing it from any water that we were bottling, but we really found that it was, um, you know, there were a lot of other beverage companies that knew about it, but that it was just, let's not talk about it and let's close our eyes to it. And I just couldn't sit with that. I, it just, to me, just seemed like it was something that we really had to surface. So I feel like there's a lot of what you're doing as well. Um, and, uh, sometimes I think that the large company, uh, employees, right, that are dealing with manufacturing just might not, maybe they just don't have an entrepreneur's mindset, uh, which is definitely what you have. What What are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Um, I think that stuff, you know, the fact that um, I, I'm willing to go against the grain and do the, um, the more expensive, more difficult, um, sometimes it takes you to your knees because there's literally only one vendor in the UK in the whole world um, that does a compostable substrate that we use for the twist wraps on our truffles. And so guess what? Much more expensive. Didn't run in our machines properly. And the, sometimes they're just out. <laughs> There's no place else mm -hmm. to go. And, you know, it's not necessarily the smartest thing to do, um, but we do it because if you, if we don't do it, then who's going to do it? Right. So that does make me proud. And I think it makes my team proud. Like they're, mm -hmm. the, they're the ones to say, please, can we not? I mean, it's just crazy. And I'm like, no, we're doing it. And then they get all on board and they see the difference it makes and how people respond to it. And they feel really proud that we take that stance. Right. So that I think is, and then of course my people, I am just, I, uh, you know, people always say that, but honestly, um, I am not a very well-rounded person. I would say like, I'm like so far off in my right brain, right. That my left brain, you know, wouldn't be able to run a company. Right. So the logical part of my brain, I need people that sort of round out those rough edges for me. And um, they also have to be very sort of risk tolerant for somebody like me who's like, let's try it. Let's do it. Right. They have to feel comfortable with that. And then they also have to be like paying attention to all the details and doing the analysis. And so I feel really fortunate because together we're like a mighty crew. And if without them, I would be sorely lacking in a lot of areas. <laughs> so I'm proud of the team that I've assembled. Being able to build the team that it sounds like you have is, is it's not easy uh, to do that. And uh, yeah, it takes a long time and it's, uh, and it definitely, obviously the success of your business, I think is it, it you, you have to look at uh, the team because it's very, I don't, I can't name one single business that has been successful without an amazing team in place. Right. I mean, it just is part of, it's just part of the overall uh, formula for sure. So best advice you've ever received, uh, probably about business, but it could be about just life in general. I guess it's that one I mentioned earlier, like it made the biggest difference for me in my life. But I also think of like, you know, um, I am the best leader for my company by definition, right? So mm -hmm. just give it time, you know, don't rush it. Don't feel like you, there's some sort of a, and that's, I guess the advice I would then turn around and give to somebody else is um, if you give yourself a long enough runway, if you have the luxury of a long enough runway, 
you'll find success. If you run out of money or you run out of time or run out of patience or faith in yourself and you give up too soon, then you will fail, right? Um, so I've been doing this now for 20 years and still haven't fully mastered it. But because I've been having fun along the way, which is like probably my number one priority in life, I um, I stick with it, right? Stick with it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, three steps back. That was the way it was for many, many years. Um, so sort of having the faith that what you have imagined is something that other people will want and it'll be successful. Such great advice. So Jean, thank you so much for coming on. And Jean Thompson, CEO and owner of Seattle Chocolate Company and Jay Coco. We'll have all the info in the show notes as well. But thank you again. And everyone definitely needs to try these amazing products. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Jean. You were so inspiring for sure. Well, right back at you, Kara. And I really appreciate uh, the conversation and um, the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023. And goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.